I want to welcome everyone here, and I am uh, honored to see a number of people we invited came this morning. That's a blessing to me. Uh, I'd like to pray before we start looking into the scriptures. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and your mercy and grace. Lord, I pray that as I share from your word, the words I share would be your words. The thoughts I share would be your thoughts, Lord. That they would minister to each and every one here. And again, we thank you, Lord, for who you are and the great things that you have done for all of us. Amen. We're going to go into uh, the book of Mark, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to read uh, a number of verses. It'll be on the screen up here to uh, see, and then we'll go back and discuss some of the things in there, look at it a little bit deeper. They went across the lake to the region of Ganesha, where Jesus got out of the boat. A man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, and he tore the chains and broke apart the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again not to send him out of the area. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this is in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw a man who had been possessed by, by a legion of demons, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people begged with Jesus to leave the region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. And Jesus did not let him, but he said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. The first thing I want to bring to our attention is there was this demonic man, possessed. He was living in the tombs, probably terrorizing people with his great strength and his screaming at night and just his actions. And yet people apparently had become comfortable with him, familiar with him. And, you know, this is the way life is. When Jesus came, right away, the demons recognized who Jesus was. 
and they, and they begged him not to send them away. They were afraid that he would send them to the abyss, that he'd send them to their final resting place. They did not want to go, but it wasn't time for that to happen. <clears throat> and uh, when Jesus asked him what his name was, he said, my name is Legion. Legion is a Roman military term, similar to what we would use in our military, say, in a, a brigade or a large company of men. In fact, it meant 6,000 men, a company of 6,000 men. So this man was possessed by thousands of demons. The other thing we see is that when they went into the pigs, there was almost 2,000 pigs that then those demons possessed. One of the things I thought about was why, why were there this huge herd of pigs in the land of Israel? This was a Jewish nation. Uh, you didn't eat swine. You didn't eat pork. That was unclean. And yet there's this huge herd there. What's that all about? Well, what we know from history is in that area, there was a lot of Greek influence. And there was a temple to Zeus, a mythical god of the Greeks. And what they offered as sacrifices to their god was the swine. And so the demons are saying, well, if we can't possess this man, let us go into these swine so that we can at least have the honor of being part of a sacrifice to our god, our false god. Jesus honored their request, but they never got to be sacrificed on the altar of Zeus. They were drowned in the sea, the pigs were. Uh, the uh, next thing I want to look at is, as we, as we go down in verse 15, it says, and they saw him sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Why would people be afraid of this man who is now normal? He was free of this demonic oppression. He was uh, sitting there. He was fully clothed. They hadn't seen this. And now they were afraid. What, what caused them to be afraid? Well, a number of things are happening here. Jesus has come into the scene, into their region, and he's turned it upside down. In a way, he's ruined their economy. There were people there that made their living raising those pigs and selling those pigs for sacrifice. That was all gone now. They're going to have to start over again. Their world had been turned upside down. And we so many times get comfortable with the status quo, with the things around us, that we do not realize how we're drifting away from God how we're drifting into the worldly system, how we are allowing things of the world to become so important to us. And then when something happens like this, Jesus comes on the scene and there's a major change. We're fearful of it. We don't understand it. We don't like change. That's human nature. But Jesus came and changed, changed this area. And in verse 17, it says the people began to plead for Jesus to leave their region. In uh, 
Luke, in the eighth chapter, the same story, it says, because they were overcome with fear, they asked Jesus to leave. Their world had been so changed, they didn't know how to deal with it. They just didn't know how to deal with it. The, uh, the next thing I want to bring to your attention is this man who was once demon-possessed but now was free. Jesus had set him free. And he was of a sound mind. He goes to Jesus and he says, I want to follow you. I want to go where you go. Please take me with you. I want to sit at your feet. I want to learn more about you. You would think that that would bring joy to the Lord and that he'd be happy to have another disciple. And what does Jesus say? No. He said, you go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so the man obeyed Jesus, and that's exactly what he did. It says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Can you put that slide up? Of uh... So as we look at that map up there, Gardasa is where they came into, uh, or gar- gar- on this one it would be Gardera. That's where the, where the de- demonic man was. And the Decapolis is a region down in there, and it's named Decapolis because there was ten major there, ten cities there. So this man, he followed God, he obeyed God, and he went and he shared with the people in that region what Jesus had done for him. He began to give his testimony. And in giving his testimony, he began to change the atmosphere, the atmosphere that was there. There was, as we read in this portion of Scripture, they were afraid of Jesus. They wanted him out of there. They they did not want him ministering at all. Get away from us. You've changed too much. We're not ready for you. We can't handle this. I'm afraid sometimes that's the way we are. When Jesus speaks to us, Jesus directs us. We, and he moves in our lives, and we're afraid of, of what, it, what it is. Before I uh, go to the next scripture, I, I want to just switch gears just a little bit here. And I want to share a little bit of my own testimony. And some of this I've shared here before. But as I was in a hospital several months ago up at the U, laying there at night, not able to sleep, talking things over with the Lord, asking him why, how come, what's the purpose, where is this all going? And I knew going in that he had told me that I was going to be healed. And as we know now, it's a progressive healing, little by little. We stand on the the word of God that he says that I will have a long life. And so I knew that, but I still had questions, still wondering. The Lord said to me, well, he actually reminded me of a little song I had learned in Sunday school. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. So I began looking over the things that God had done in my life. And he reminded me also at that time of messages that I'd given up here before that were not only for the body, but were for me, 
to prepare me for what I was about to go through and prepare care for what she was about to go through, to prepare my family for what they were about to go through. And I was reminded of when I stood up here with a walking stick and I talked about David facing Goliath. And that when he went to King Saul and he held out that stick and looked at it, he had marked on there the things that God had done for him. It was his legacy. It was his heritage. And he said, the Lord delivered the lion into my hand and I killed him. And the Lord delivered the bear into my hand and I killed him. The Lord will deliver Goliath into my hand and I will slay him too. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about that stick with markings on it. The Lord says, write down what I have done for you, whether you were walking with me or not. What have I done for you in the past? Well, the first thing, I was born. And then when I was about 14 years of age, well, let me back up before I go there. Uh, I grew up in a family that loved the Lord. I grew up in a family that took me to Sunday school and church, taught me the Bible stories, a family that had family devotions. Uh, they also shared that you need to make Jesus real in your heart. And we would watch Billy Graham Crusades on TV. And if uh, the Free Church out of Scandia had uh, gospel singers, we went. And uh, so we heard the gospel message over and over again. As uh, I was about 14 years of age, my parents took me to a Billy Graham film down at Worthington. And I went forward and I asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. It was my born-again experience. And it was exciting. It was emotional. I grew up in a church that part of its doctrine says that you're saved at infant baptism, and then you confirm that salvation at a specific age. Well, I was in the confirmation class. And my pastor at the time said to me the following week, he said, I understand you had quite an emotional experience last weekend. I said, yes, I did. And he said something to me that I'll never forget. And in a way, I think it was quite detrimental. He said, well, you'll get over it. And the sad thing was, for about 15, 16 years, I did get over it. And I led the life of a prodigal. Uh, struggling because I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. I couldn't have fun doing what was wrong because I felt guilty. Uh, but I wasn't bold enough to share my faith. I wasn't bold enough to seek out a mentor. You know? And so I just kind of floated along through life letting the world kind of direct my path. Well, during that time, the Lord reminded me of the spring of 1970, right after graduation, where uh, I was helping a friend start a car, poured gas out a carburetor, and it backfired. As I jumped back, I poured gasoline on myself. This hand was burnt up, oh, just about up to the shoulder. Had second and third degree burns. Some of you remember Dr. Bosley here in town. Uh, he was my doctor during that time, and I was in the Tracy Hospital. He told me early on, as they, each day they would clean the wounds, he said, well, we're going to have to do skin grafts. And a few days later, he said, well, you know, we might not have to do skin grafts, but you're going to have some scarring, 
and you're going to have some finger damage, nerve damage. He says it's not ever going to be quite the same again. Probably 10 days went on, and he said, well, I'm really amazed. There's, I don't think scarring is going to be as bad as I thought, but you're going to have pigment change in your arm. You know, it's, not going to, it's going to look different, and you're going to have nerve damage in your fingers. But he said, you must have a lot of people praying for you. And I said, yeah, I'm sure I do. And through the course of the summer, as we finished up with that, I had a little bit of, the worst burn was right in this area. And I had some pigment discoloration there. And I had funny feeling in my fingers and sometimes lack of feeling. Kind of come and go. And he said to me, you are a miracle. I said, that's cool. I did not acknowledge what God was doing. And I did not acknowledge what people that were praying for me. Within about three or four years, it all returned to normal. I have no problems with the fingers, no sensation problems. Truly a miracle. Did I seek a miracle? Did I pray for a miracle? No. But God wanted me to have the use of both hands, both arms. Another important milestone was that fall I met Karen who three years later became my wife and the mother of our children. She's truly been a blessing to me. During that time of our dating, I had two incidents with semi-trucks where the wee hours of the morning I'd fallen asleep, woke up to the glare of headlights coming through my windshield, sound of an air horn and screeching of brakes. I took the wrong side ditch as the semi swerved around me and took the other lane. I drove out of the ditch and drove home. I said, well, that was close. (laughs) Probably less than a year later, I was driving back to Fairmont where I worked from Jackson. I thought to myself, I need to stop. There's a little truck stop at the intersection of 16 and Highway 4. It was an all-night diner. I said, I got to stop there. I could see it off. I could see the flashing lights up there. There's... And I thought, I need to stop there and have some coffee and wake up. Next thing I remember is, again, air horns, flash of light alongside me that was red, and bouncing off the tail end of a semi-trailer. I was on the wrong side of the road. The semi was on the shoulder. Uh, I pulled off to the proper shoulder, grabbed a flashlight under the seat, looked at the side of my car, and it was rubber marks all the way down the side of the car. Had a ding in the bumper where I caught his rear duels on that trailer. Either one of those incidents, just seconds earlier, I wouldn't be here today. My family wouldn't be here. Life would have been different for a lot of people. God saved me in those incidences. And again, I said, wow, I was really lucky there. I could go on. There's, there's been battery, battery exploding in my face and no damage. Uh, there was just one little pool of water to stick my face in. 
puddle, mud puddle, uh, furnace exploding in my face, uh, things like this. And God protected me, saved me. Uh, and then towards the end of this, this time of uh, this prodigal's walk, we got to a point where I had two failed businesses, had a little baby in the house, uh, had interest payments that were getting close to 20%. We couldn't even keep up with the interest on our house, and we decided we needed to do something different. We needed to change our life. We put our place up for sale. Thankfully, we sold it. We paid off our debt. And then just like the prodigal child, I decided it was time to come back home. Hadn't really deepened my walk with the Lord, but I was going back to Ballotton. I was coming back here where I could start over again. A new start. God blessed us during that time. That winter... We basically lived on potato soup, and uh, we, uh, my folks would send some groceries from time to time. But it was, it was a tough winter. We heated our house with wood, and we were running out of wood. I had about five gallons of fuel oil in the, in the barrel for the furnace. A neighbor of ours actually bought the house from us for one of his family members. And as we had made the agreement, he said to me, I noticed your fuel barrel is about empty. And I said, yeah, it is. He said, would you be offended if I filled it up? I'd sure hate to have the pipes freeze before I take possession. The Lord used him to bless us. And even then, I didn't acknowledge it. I didn't realize it. But after we came back here, within the next couple of years, because of that crazy little Bible study, because of that Saturday night group, because of in particular, Evan and Bob, who had ministered to me in ways I'd never been ministered to before. They'd share a little bit. They didn't choke me with all of this, but they'd just share a little bit. And we went to a meeting down in Slayton, and Karen and I went forward. We rededicated our lives. And we were baptized in the Holy Spirit that night, received our prayer language. And from that point on, life changed for us. We began to pray about our decisions, what we're going to do. What should I do for a business? How should I proceed? God has been faithful to give us direction all that time. So I share this with you to tell you that our testimonies are powerful. Everyone out here has a testimony. Everyone here has something that God has done in your life. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. And then share them with someone else. Just like this man who had been demon-possessed and now he was set free. He was a new man. He went and he shared in his region. And as I looked at this Decapolis, this ten cities, and was thinking on that, the Lord brought something to my mind. And I want to challenge you with it too. The Lord asked me to take out a map and pick out 10 towns around my hometown and to begin praying for those towns. 
that we could change the atmosphere in which God could minister, that people would receive what the Lord has for them, that there wouldn't be fear, that there wouldn't be trepidation about what's happening, that they wouldn't ask the Lord to leave, but they would embrace him. That he said, now, you know someone in each one of those towns. Begin praying for them and their family. And I can work in their, in their lives. So that's a challenge I want to give you. But as, as we see they, at this point in Scripture, Jesus has been asked to leave. And this man goes and begins testifying. He begins changing things. And then if we go into Mark, the seventh chapter, beginning with verse 31. What we see is we see Jesus returning to this same region. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, and he went to Sidon, and down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. Their begging changed from, get out of here, we beg you to leave, to, please come, heal this man. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears, and he spit and he touched the man's tongue. And he looked up to heaven, and with a deep sigh he said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. The people were overwhelmed with amazement. He had done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute to speak. They were overwhelmed and amazed. The fear was gone. Now they were filled with amazement at what God was doing in their midst. What a go-to. Psalms, 71st chapter. And as I read this, this is David writing this, but it's also my testimony. You know, we could take our testimony and we could build on it with testimonies from Scripture from testimonies of brothers and sisters in the Lord around us. Our testimonies don't have to be long. We don't have to take as much time as I've taken this morning to share all of this. Our testimonies can be simply, you know, I was lost and the Lord saved me. I was oppressed and he set me free. He filled me with his Holy Spirit so that I could communicate with him at a deeper level. We share enough to pique the interest with someone else and let them ask the questions. And as the questions come, then we share the answers. And if we don't have the answers, we go to another believer that can help us with that. We work as a team. We work as a body. We work in unity. Psalm 71. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. 
Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked. Or I could replace that from cancer or from whatever illnesses are plaguing you or whatever sins are besetting you. You could change those words. We're free to do that. Make it personal. From the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all the day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies seek, speak against me, and those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him, for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I have come and proclaimed your mighty acts, sovereign Lord, and I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. And even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are about to come. Your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. You have done great things. Who is like you, God? Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitters, may you restore my life again from the depths of the earth. You will, you will again bring me up. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praises to you with the lair, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I whom you have delivered. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all the day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. I have uh, one more scripture that I want to read that I do not have up on the screen. And I got a little story to tell you before I read this. One of my friends back there, Gene, we met in the Mike's Cafe. That's been a few weeks back now. And uh, had a cup, shared a cup of coffee. Just kind of shooting the breeze, comparing our doctors and our trials. And as uh, we went on, Gene said to me, I have a new name for you. Before I tell you this name, I, I need to tell you that we go back a ways. We'd go to auctions, see each other at auctions, bid against each other on antique cast iron cookware. You know, Dutch ovens, camp stoves, griddles, fry pans. And the one we were always after was the Griswold brand. So Gene says, I'm calling you Griswold. <laughs> because you've been through the fire. 
and you can't be broken. Amen. Pretty much what you said, right? Yeah. My son added I was well seasoned to that too. <laughs> but I want to share this scripture from Isaiah because it speaks about going through the fire. It's in Isaiah 43. And I'm going to begin with ver- uh, partway through verse 1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. And since you are precious and honored in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. And do not be afraid, for I am with you. I, uh, I want to encourage everyone here that the Lord is with you. The Lord is calling you to be his own. And if you've never answered that call, the sporting is a real good time to do that. While it is still called today, do not harden your heart. Today is the day. Today could be your day of salvation. Today could be your day of deliverance. Today could be a new beginning a new freedom, a new experience, a change in your atmosphere. So I just pray if there's anyone out there that desires to come forward for prayer right now, whether it be for salvation, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for deliverance, for healing, this is a good time, a real good time.